0: text tonight is Colossians chapter 4. Over the past few weeks, um, it has been so clearly apparent, um, unhappily so, (laughs) that spiritual attacks have increased on our congregation and that many of us have been uh, very burdened um, and and just under uh, some sort of personal or health or family uh, duress. Um, And that's not a complaint, it's just an observation. Even Wednesday night in choir, we were talking about how it just kind of seemed everybody was weary. And um, as I thought about this and, and the Lord led me to this text, I realized, you know, the enemy's assaults are so well-timed. <laughs> and I don't mean that to give him credit. It's just how it, how it goes. Um, he tends to go after the things that are, are most sensitive, the things that he knows will get us discouraged and the things that will get us disheartened and, and will... Will kind of push us away from trusting the Lord. And yet, as believers, we have absolute confidence in the Lord. We know that God is faithful and we know that God is good and that He's so much more powerful than our enemy. So, uh, because we've known and experienced the Lord being gracious to us so many different times, we know that He'll never allow us to go through anything that we can't endure by His strength. But here's the problem just enduring. Difficulty and just going through difficulty doesn't necessarily ensure that we'll have the right attitude as we're going through it. Just because we survive it, so to speak, we can use that strong word tonight, just because we survive attack, just because we survive discouragement and trial, doesn't mean that we're honoring the Lord in how we do it. And that's so key, because anybody can get through a difficult time, but, but what the Lord's asking us to do is to get through it with joy and contentment. And those two words are hard because they're not natural to our human nature. They're natural to our spiritual nature. But, but so often we get so challenged by life circumstances and we get so irritated as we get kind of relentlessly hit by the enemy and he keeps on the attack and we know he's going after areas that are vulnerable and and we don't always react well and then we get even more uptight because we should have reacted a certain way. Anybody else go through this besides me? And you you just, you're on this kind of cycle of frustration. The question tonight is how do we get to that place where we are really joyfully content in life circumstances? And where we are joyfully content when we are getting relentlessly hit by the enemy. Now, the first thing that we have to solve, the first way to answer that, lies in understanding why our joy gets stripped. And then it comes in obeying the instructions that the Lord gives us in his word to offset that, that uh, reason. Now, there are a lot of passages that deal with this. I don't know why the Lord led me to this passage, but he did. Uh, in Colossians chapter 4, because Colossians chapter 4 really doesn't have anything to do with trials or difficulties. It doesn't really have anything to do with spiritual attack, but it does remind us of the best way to overcome their influence. So I want to just give you five verses tonight, and these hopefully will encourage you this week and help us as we pray in a minute. All right? Colossians chapter 4, start in verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I've also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way that I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity, and let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you'll know how should you should respond to each person. Now, Colossi was a smaller body. It was kind of a, if we can say it, a, a less important church or set of churches than some of the others. And it was primarily made up of Gentile converts. And the problem in Colossae was that they were struggling with the influence of false teaching. A false teaching always has two main goals. And this is very important to remember as we evaluate the accuracy of Christian teaching in the last days. Because Second Timothy warns us, in the last days, all people want to do is have this done. Okay, they, they want to have the ears scratched. They want to hear happy things and nice things and things that don't challenge them at all. And Paul warns Timothy, he says, you've really got to be on guard now because you're going to hear a lot of things that sound right, but they're not. So for us to have discernment as Christians in the last days, we've got to be able to, to recognize false teaching. False teaching has two characteristics, very simply. The first one is to distort and de-emphasize Jesus Christ. Anything that goes after Christ, anything that, that de-elevates Christ, anything that says Jesus is important but is is on the path or is clearly false teaching. The second part of false teaching is that as it de-elevates Christ, it elevates self. And this is what we see more often because most people aren't really gutsy enough to say Jesus Christ is wrong, but they are gutsy enough to say, but I should talk about me. It should be about what I want and what I get. Now, it's not hard to see how that mindset's kind of been the default of our culture, but it's also become the default of Christianity over the last 20 or 30 years. And in Colossae, it was damaging the church, which is why Paul writes this letter. And this letter is very interesting because uh, Colossians is is more Christ-centered than any other book. It, It elevates Christ to the highest place of any book that Paul wrote. So Paul talks about the supremacy of Christ and he talks about his sufficiency and he talks about God's salvation and he talks about redemption. Everything comes back to Christ. And as he's doing that, he deals with the second part of false teaching, which is to get everything away from self. The reason temptations and attacks are so effective is because they harm our happiness. And they alter our expectations of what we thought should have happened. So anytime we're in the middle of them, we have an inclination toward disappointment. So you're going along this week and everything's going great and all of a sudden you get hit with something that was unexpected. The natural, quick human reaction will be, oh, versus, yay, right? Okay, when, when, when temptation comes this week and the devil's hitting you and you know you're in a spiritual attack, you don't go, oh man, this is awesome. Yeah, oh, really, seriously, again, more? It's more? I, I know that I can walk with the Lord, but stop hitting me so hard. This is why people get off track because they thought something would happen and they assume that things would go a certain way, and when it changes a little bit, like we talked about this morning, they they kind of naturally assume it won't get better. Now, that's the reason why a text like Colossians 4 is so important, and that's really our main premise tonight, is that this text reminds us that our focus and emphasis should not be on us. It should be on Christ, first and foremost, and then on others. That's why I titled this study, It's Not About You. It's not about you. Because the extent to which we live with that mindset that it's not about me is the extent to which we are satisfied in Christ and we are joyful and content in all circumstances. Jesus told us how critical this is to our spiritual maturation because he says there is no commandment greater than loving me and loving others like you love yourself. I want you to think about that because we've heard that a thousand times. But but, think about how much time we spend as believers debating the non-essentials. What kind of music are we going to have? What are we? What's it going to look like? What 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 are we going to wear? Which pastor is the coolest? Who should I follow? What what what? What's kind of the trend going on? And then we get worked up about issues, and don't hurt me right now, about whether schools should allow prayer or or how much power the president should have. Listen, all those things are important. But Jesus said there's nothing that should preoccupy your mind more than loving me and loving others. In other words, Jesus said there's nothing more important that should preoccupy your mind than to be selfless. Now, let that just settle in for a minute because we don't necessarily want to hear that. But that's what he says. The most important thing you can do is to be selfless. Now, that's the key in dealing with these challenges. And the believers in Colossae, look at the back of the text, were discouraged and they're confused and they're at risk of being influenced by false teaching. But look at what the Spirit says here because it's a little surprising. There's not one word in this text that talks about managing your emotions. We, we love to talk psychobabble. You just need to manage your emotions and find yourself and love yourself. It's so good. And, and there's not anything about dropping back for responsibility, taking a break from yourself, taking a break from spiritual growth. Just, 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 just spend some time with you. Boy, I felt like a couple of people there that I won't name. Spend some time with you and and feel good about yourself and then you'll be able to manage it a lot better. I'm sorry, I don't see a single word in this text that says that. It says, call on the Lord so he'll advance the gospel, live in a holy, selfless way, and look at the example of other faithful believers. Now, that, that might just be a call to the normal spiritual disciplines, but here's where it's different. Look at the target Look at, the, look at who this is aimed at. He's not saying, call on the Lord so you'll feel better. And, and, and have the right mindset so your mind will be clear and you'll be able to react in the right way and, and, and make sure that, that you conduct yourself with wisdom so you don't look like an idiot. And, and, and That's not what the text is saying. Everything in this passage is saying, be outwardly focused. What you do should magnify the Lord and it should bless others. Now, if we really want to learn how to deal with spiritual attack and we really want to learn how to manage life through difficulty, there are four or five instructions here. I just want to spend a couple minutes on each one that, that tell us how to do that. Look at the first thing in verses 2 to 3. He says, devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up for us a door for the word. Now, there are actually three different commands here, and each of them is essential to how we think and feel. First of all, we're just going to walk right through it. He says, devote yourself to prayer. Now, that means to be steadfastly attentive, to persevere, and to not fall back. In other words, prayer is not just a part-time action where it's convenient or when it's time to eat or, or when we're in a crisis. We are to constantly be in His presence, talking to Him, listening to His voice, not wavering, not losing heart, always ready to go to the throne of grace and to call on His name. And here's the powerful thing. God has given us this gift. He has given us unlimited, unrestricted, unrestrained access of the privilege to go to him. And when we go to him, it's never talking to the secretary, the Lord will be with you in just a few moments. Or, hey, I'm kind of busy. Can I get back to you? Hey, I got another call. Hold on. John's calling. Let me me get back to you. We have unlimited access that any time we go, that God is ready to listen. He's ready to listen without distraction, and He cares about every single word that we say. He knows our heart. He knows our frame. He knows what we care about. He forgives our sins. And when we call on His name, His power is unleashed. Now, I don't think we can possibly overstate how wonderful that is. I don't think we can possibly say we really get that fully. So he says, vitally important, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Then he says, keep alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. The first part of the command is active and continuous. Always look at the verbs. Keeping alert. In other words, not just be alert because that's passive. He says, keeping alert. The word means to actively take heed so destruction doesn't overtake you. So as we devote ourselves to prayer, as we enjoy this fact that we can go to the presence of the Lord any time, he says, watch out, because if you don't watch out, destruction may overtake you. Prayer is like, I hope this is a good metaphor, prayer is like the early warning system when the destruction of spiritual tornadoes is coming. It enables us to be ready, it enables us to prepare, it enables us to to be covered from the damage that's coming. And if we don't utilize it, the Spirit says you're at risk because that is going to overtake you and it's going to whip you around. I mean, we talked this morning about being mixed up, right? Well, wait till we hit the spiritual tornado of of spiritual attack. That'll just whip us around and throw us around and it'll throw us left and it'll throw us right and, and we'll just be overcome. Anybody know what that feels like? You're cruising along. Things are great. And then all of a sudden, like those people in Michigan last week, I was watching it and I was studying this text. And I said, we were just, you know, we heard there might be something. And all of a sudden we heard the roar. We, we barely got to shelter. Listen, that's how the enemy attacks. It's a tactical assault. He knows the right time. He knows the right moment. He knows the right tone. He knows the right words. He knows the right thing to do at just the right time to get us off. And if we're not vigilant, the attitude of joyful contentment will so easily be replaced by anger and self-pity and regret and bitterness and sadness and a hundred other emotions that tend to cause us to fall away from the Lord. So Colossians 4, two says... Prayer doesn't eliminate those attacks, but it protects you. And it keeps your attitude in the right place. Because I don't know about you, but there's pretty much no way that I can keep alert with an attitude of thanksgiving unless I am alert and submitting myself in dependence to the Lord. Because thankfulness only comes from recognizing the power of God and the authority of God, and the faithful sufficiency of God. So how are, how are we content? How do we stay joyful in difficulty and attack? Look at it. By steadfastly praying, by being on guard against the potential of attack, when it comes by staying calm, and by, ingrate, by being grateful that the Lord has our back, that, that he has absolute strength. In a few minutes, we'll pray with that attitude. But, but notice one more thing here. He also says, pray for us. Devote yourselves to prayer. You want to be on guard now. Be alert. Be thankful. Make sure that your attitude's right. But, but listen, it's not just about you. Now we need you to pray for us, that God would open the door for us to explain the gospel. Prayer is not all about us. We know that. We've heard that before. You guys have been saved a while. But, but we're supposed to spend time praying for each other. And not just the prayer requests that we got and not just the important requests like, like health issues and job interviews and kids that are one away from the Lord. You guys are so good to do that when you see that post on Facebook or, or, or something to, to pray. But we're also supposed to intercede each other just on a regular basis. Lord, encourage my brother. Lord, strengthen my sister. Lord, Lord, help her. She's, she's going through, I think she's about to face some difficulty right now. Lord, Lord, make him strong in his witness. Make him bold at work when he's getting hit. Father, fill her with your Holy Spirit. Protect that family against problems. And on and on and on. The person next to you, the person behind you, the person in front of you, they need your prayer this week. They need you to call on the Lord for them. And I would encourage you, just as you're walking around a night before you leave, just, just pick two or three people. It's people you're interacting with, not, not somebody you're related to, just, just somebody that you interact with. And just, and just think to yourself, I'm going to pray for that person every day this week. Because Paul's in jail, he's struggling, he's a little discouraged. We know that from Timothy. But, but Paul says, look, you guys pray for us because we need an open door. Not an open door to the cell. We need an open door that these guards that are sitting outside the cell, as we talk to them, they'll be converted. We, we need boldness. We need, this is Paul asking for this, by the way. <laughs> if he needs boldness, what do I need? Oh, my word. He says, hey, get, pray, Colossi, pray for us that God will open up the door so, so we can be effective in our ministry. Imagine if we really started to pray that way for each other. I mean, really devoted ourselves to to going before the Lord and saying, "I'm, I'm going to pray for him, and I'm going to pray that God will strengthen him, and I'm going to pray that God will encourage him, and that God will fill him with his spirit, and he'll stay away from sin, and that by the end of this week, he'll have talked to somebody about the Lord, and that person's life will be changed. Lord, do that work. We start to pray that way, oh, man. God will be unleashed in ways we can't understand. Now look just at one more set of instructions that we're going to pray. Look at verses 5 and 6. It says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. When you are under spiritual attack, when I'm under spiritual attack, when life is challenging, one of the most important things that we can do is to be aware of how we're representing ourselves and how we're representing the Lord to those people that are around us. The Spirit tells us, conduct yourself with wisdom. The word there means careful discretion. It means to be really cautious. How am I speaking? How am I reacting? Am I letting my ego get in the way? Am I letting my anger rise up and I'm Am I becoming bitter about something in the past? Am I losing my witness? Am I going off the handle? I mean, you can, you can give the list. Lord, may I respond with, with wisdom? May I conduct myself with wisdom? In other words, again, it's not just getting through the crisis. It's doing it in a way that represents the Lord well. Why? Look at the end of verse 5, so that we can make the, uh, the most of the opportunities that the Lord gives us whether it's to share our faith or whether it's to simply encourage somebody. Whether it's to come alongside a believer and say, you know, I've been praying for you and and, and I've really been encouraged by your walk and I want to encourage you with my walk and and that we're going to be strong in the Lord and and I just want to strengthen you. Listen, that means just as much as witnessing to somebody else. And here's the ultimate testing. The ultimate testing is in how we speak. That's why in verse 6, It says our speech should always be with grace. Now, that word has a lot of layers. So let me read the definition of it. And then let's think about how this applies to the way that we talk. Okay? Spirit says to us, let the word you say always be seasoned with grace. Here's what grace means. What brings joy, pleasure, delight, and sweetness what exemplifies God's merciful love and kindness to strengthen us in our faith. <laughs> okay, I failed that one this week. I filled that one today. Let your speech always be with that which is sweet and loving and, and brings joy and pleasure and delight that, that shows that you are a recipient and a servant of God's merciful love and kindness so other people will be strengthened in their faith. That that to me is one of the hardest verses in the Bible to obey. That everything you and I say will be seasoned with that, that it will bring joy to people and delight in their spirit and that it will encourage them in their faith and that people will know God's love just by how we speak just by how we respond to our kids, just by how we greet one another, just by how we react to the person that made me angry as I was driving here tonight because they were in my way and were bobbing between the lanes and I was needing to get here and I got frustrated. Just just by how we greet people at work tomorrow when our boss comes up and is being a jerk. I don't know if anybody else has got a, a boss as a jerk. I think some of you probably do. Randy might say he has a boss as <laughs> a jerk. Oh, your boss says something, you're irritated, a co-worker gives a snide remark about you. How do you react? Is your speech seasoned with what will bring joy? And you say, well, Paul, you don't understand. Yeah, I do. This is the action of selflessness that God's telling us is so important to get through the trial. And that applies when we're being tempted and we're being taunted by the enemy. Because when we do that, guess what the enemy learns? I can't mess with that person. That person won't back down. They still keep standing strong for the Lord. They're acting in an unnatural human way. And, and, and God's using them and people around them are being affected. And I either need to ramp up the pressure or get away from them and find somebody else's weak. One more thought. Notice that this instruction here is for how we talk to those who don't know Christ. And that tells us that it's assumed that we'll talk to each other that way. Paul doesn't even need to say that because he knows, right, that that's how it's going to be in the body. Of course you're going to talk to each other with grace. But I'm just talking about when you talk to non-believers. Our attitude is so important What's in our heart and mind is so important, which is why it's the primary front line of attack by the enemy. But even in his time of greatest assault, we're told to decrease self and to focus on Christ and others. And Paul speaks of experience. He's in jail. And he says, listen, I know you guys are going through some stuff, so let me send two people to you. This is in the verses that follow. You can look at it later. He says, I'm going to send Tychicus and I'm going to send Onesimus. And they're going to come and they're just going to encourage you. And know that as they come, those that are in jail here with me, four of us, we're praying and we're sending encouragement to you. So here's all we got tonight. We're done. The Spirit is telling us, you're going to attack. The enemy's going after you. He's increasing it. As the church prays more, pressure is going to go up. As the church walks with the Lord more, the pressure is going to go up. So, so you're under attack, you're discouraged, you're disheartened, things are going on, you don't know how to respond. Let me tell you how you respond. Guard your attitude. Be alert against the attack. Make sure that you're thankful. Make sure you devote yourselves to prayer with thanksgiving. And, and then watch the way you talk. That's not easy, is it? And yet the Lord is sufficient and the Lord is faithful to help us and He will give us the power and the strength to do that. Let's close our eyes. I I just want to encourage you tonight. I hope this has been a a help to you. Because I know that some of you, this was specifically for you tonight. Maybe you came in here tonight and you've got a heavy heart and you're discouraged and you feel kind of beaten down and weary and just just tired. You're far from content. And it's no coincidence that we studied that passage tonight. Just know right now that the Lord wants to minister to you and that he wants to encourage your heart and mind. But to do that, you and I need to understand the equation by which that happens. John 3.30 says, he must increase I must decrease. The world gets it the other way around. De-emphasize Christ, elevate self. Bible says, no. You de-emphasize yourself and you elevate Christ. And when we do that, as soon as we make that commitment in our mind, then God encourages us. Then God reminds us, I'm faithful. I'm sufficient. So whatever you're dealing with tonight, again, I'm not going to look for a response. We're not going to have you pray at the all. I just, I just want you right there where you are. Whatever's going on in your life tonight, whatever's robbing you of your joy, whatever is is just irritating you. It's frustrating you. You're just, you're just annoyed. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a person next to you. Whatever it is recognize that that's not going to go away and it's still going to have effect on you unless you give it up to the Lord and say, Lord, it's not about me. Lord, we ask you to help us tonight. We ask you to strengthen us and encourage us. Father, so many people tonight are struggling. So many people are hurting. Many of us under strong spiritual attack that's been so obvious. Lord, this church has been under spiritual attack. We expect that. We know that's part of it. But Lord, we also see the enemy really resisting right now. And I pray that we would not lose heart, that we would not become weary in well-doing, but that we would continue to strive after you And exalt you in all that we do. Lord, I pray tonight for my brothers and sisters. I pray you would encourage them. I pray that we would have open doors to share the reason that we trust in you. I thank you for how you're already doing that. You're already opening up those doors. And Lord, we praise you for that. So now, Lord, strengthen us. Encourage us as we go out into the world this week to do the work of ministry. Lord, our jobs are our ministry this week. Our relationships are our ministry. Our families and our marriages are our ministry this week. Give us a selfless mindset. And Lord, when the attacks come and we're tempted to to go back to loving ourselves more than anything, remind us that there is nothing we can do that is greater than to love you and love each other. Help us, Lord. Help us this week to do that. And Lord, as always, we will praise you and we will exalt you and we will show you how much we love you. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody sit together. Amen.